Good morning again, Dorisville. I hope you're really kind of watching this video. It's got a lot of meat in it, and it covers some of the topics that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, for those who are visiting with us today, we're like in the midst of a series. You say, well, what's a series, Dwayne? And that's like a four or five, six messages tied together by a common theme. In this case, divine. And as in divine, we're saying divine, design. And we believe that God has a specific design for marriage and for family. And we've taken five weeks out of our schedule and we're just simply looking at it and going, okay, God, what do you say about this? And today we want to talk about divine purity. Now, our kickoff verse last week was John chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus said, I am divine, divine, I am divine, you are the branches. And he that abides in me, and I abide in him, they bear much fruit, and we're very prosperous in the areas that, that of life. And then he goes on and says this, without me, you can do nothing. In other words, life can't happen the way God wants it to happen without him. That includes marriage, it includes homes, it includes parenting, it includes every facet of our life. So divine, divine, is so very, very important, and certainly is important in the area of what we're talking about today, that is sexual purity. And so, now here's the deal. I was sitting here, and I'm seeing some children here, you know, and this is not a PG-13 sermon, but I'm old enough, 57 years old, where I still feel very uncomfortable talking about sex in public, okay? But, but here's the deal. Why do it, Wayne? Well, it's the same reason I got tennis shoes on today. Okay? So, you know, some of y'all said, nice shoes, Dwayne. And, you know, and for somebody who comment, didn't have a title, you know, that didn't know the shoes. But, but you, know, you know, the deal is, I've got the shoes on for a reason. Because in a moment, we're going to talk about running. And I want to convey you the importance of running. You see, I want you to understand something. Your pastor, I'll do just about anything I can to help you understand. I'll do just about anything to help you understand and apply the Word of God. Now, there's a limit to that, but, but I really, really would. And so I know tennis shoes don't go with dress pants, but I want to make a point today that God has a part of His plan that sometimes we need to run. So why talk about sex? Now, some of you are great hair folks, and me too. I was raised in an era when we didn't talk about sex. The church was literally silent about sex. I think probably back when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, if the pastor had said sex from the pulpit, you know, 38 people would have fainted. Okay? But, so why talk about it, Wayne? Well, first off, God does. God does. You know, a long time ago, 11 years ago, in fact, y'all called me to be your pastor. And part of the deal with me coming to be your pastor was that I would preach the whole counsel of God. I mean, you expect me to. You expect me to hit all the areas that God's Word covers, the whole counsel of God. And, and surely, sexual purity and, and what God has to say about sex is one of those whole counsels of God. In fact, I want you to understand, God's the one who came up with the sex idea. It was God who created sex. And I want to make it very clear that in the onset, contrary to the world, God has a very specific, narrow window for sex. And that is between a man and a woman inside of marriage. Now, the society will now tell you, first it used to be, well, sex outside of marriage is okay, and now they're trying to tell us that sex between two women or two men is okay. No, no, no. God, God created it, and he created it in these confines, a man and a woman, and an inside of marriage. All right? Hugely, hugely important. So, why are we going to talk about it? Because God does. And I really feel like it's a great need in the church today. I often wonder how different our generation would be if some folks had sat down honestly and talked about 
what the Bible has. You say, well, why shouldn't that be done at home? I don't see it that way. Paul, in the scripture we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul was right to the church. So whatever he said, he said to the church. He didn't say it to mommy and daddy, y'all share the home. He didn't at all. Now the second thing is this. Is the reason why that we need to talk about it is because the sexual sin is so prevalent in the church today. Did you notice what I brought with me today? It's a new one. I never brought it before. It's a bag of garbage. Now I want to tell you something. This is not full of sheets. This is not stuff full of rags. You know, sometimes you'll fake people out. This is genuine A number one garbage. Removed from my house last night, and I went this morning to the garbage can and drug it out. And so Adrian wouldn't have a heart attack. I didn't double bag it, so it wouldn't leak on the car. But this, you can see there's all kind of stuff in there, and this is genuine garbage. Now, some of y'all would say, now, Brother Wayne, now wait just a minute, son. You know, I'm not sure if wearing tennis shoes is even right, but I'm certain that garbage doesn't belong in the church. Can I just say amen to that? The problem is, is somehow we, see, all sin is is garbage. And somehow we've twisted our thinking around that sin's okay in the family of God. We bring garbage into the church. And I agree with you what I've said. Garbage doesn't belong in the church. It's time for us to clean up our act. It's time to get an understanding of what God says. Now, once again, some of y'all are going to hear this message today, and by the time you're eating fried chicken in an hour and a half, it's going to be gone from your brain. And I want you to understand something. God wants us to hear His Word, but He wants us to apply the Word of God. Alright? So keep in mind that the garbage is here because the garbage is here. And God wants us to clean up that. The third reason we preach about sex today is because the world is. The world is. The world is preaching and shouting at our families and to you that sex any way we want to do it is okay. It started, I think, really prevalent, obviously, in the 60s for the free love generation, but it's just kept, it is not diminished. It is a snowball that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the latest spin, okay, the latest lie is, is that, hey, it's okay because sex is just a physical act. You know, it's all it is. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's no consequences. There's no lasting effects. There's no, there's no baggage. In, you know, once you commit you know, sexual sin, there's no baggage to carry along. And we're going to look at it today. I'm going to tell you something. That's not true either. Okay? But, but people are buying it. And I hope today, before the end of the message, to let you know what the Word of God says about sexual sin and how dangerous it is. Now, go ahead take your Bibles. Again, the Bible's got so much to say about this. I've chosen 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verses 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20. Divine purity. Now let me give you just a little bit of background message. I bet you can figure out that because the scriptures from 1 Corinthians, that this is a letter that Paul wrote to the, wrote to the church at Corinth. Church had, Paul had visited the church, actually established the church of Corinth. He was there. He visited. He led some people to the Lord. He had to move on. And this is a response back to the church because they had some questions about things that were going on. Now, Corinth was a way carnal society. They had multiple, multiple gods. Okay? They just had all kinds of gods. 
But the one temple that they had was so large was the temple to Aphrodite, okay, the goddess of love, okay? So in this real pagan culture, Paul goes in and leads some people to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, they hear about God's amazing grace. They, they understood Ephesians 2 8 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not by yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that you may They were saved by grace, and it was so incredible that God extended his forgiveness to us. Okay? Then, somewhere along the line, Paul started talking about now listen, you are not former Jews, but you're not under the bondage of the law. That you've been set free. That in Christ you have liberty. In the same message we preach today. That in Christ we have liberty. So, so we have grace. And we have liberty. And then we have the birth of the church in Corinth. You've got those three things. Okay? Then you got trouble. Then you got trouble. Because so these people were saved out of a pagan culture. And the church was established, they were forgiven, they experienced grace, and they started bringing the, the culture into the church. And they started finding ways to justify their actions. They started finding ways to justify sexual sin. And that's what we have starting in verse number 12. I like these points I've got to take. So let me read the way you ought to read it. It goes like this. The Bible says, Oh, Divine says, oh, like, hmm? Like, what? You know? So, with that background, here's what happens. In verse number 12, what you see, and in a lot of Bibles, you see these words in a quote because it's a popular saying of the day. And in Corinth, this was a saying that you might have heard in those days. It goes like this Everything is permissible for me. The Corinthian church, they picked up on that libertine thing that Paul talked about and started twisting and abusing and distorting and saying, Hey, I'm saved under grace. I've been set free. Therefore, I can do whatever I want to do. Okay? And they pushed it so far to include sexual sin. Because I'm under grace, God will forgive me. Um, hey, if I do sin, it's all right. I'm in church of sin. It's just all right. And so that became a byword. In fact, he uses this same phrase four times in 1 Corinthians, twice here and twice in chapter 10. So everything is permissible. Then Paul says something this. He says, everything is permissible. They say, everything is permissible for me. But then Paul says this. But not everything is helpful. Paul says, wait a minute, time Let's, let's don't dig way deep theologically here. Let me just ask you a question for a second. Has, has sexual sin ever helped you? And I can ask you the same question today. Has sexual sin ever helped you? And do, do you, some of you who, who went through the horrors of an affair, do you go back and say, you know, that was my red letter day? The day I cheated on my wife or my, I cheated on my husband, that was a red letter day. I, I look back and that's a spiritual high point for me. Or perhaps you go back when you're in school and you sit sexually there when you're in high school. Do you go back and go, boy, that was the best days of my life. I tell you, that has helped me become a better husband or a better wife. If you're a young person here today and, and perhaps unfortunately you've already become sexually avid, did it just make your high school career so much better? 
No, the truth is, see, because of the ramifications of sexual sin, what we find out, the sexual sin of the past has a strange way of showing up in our present and in our future. And we'll talk about that toward the end of the message. That when we sin sexually, we pick up a suitcase, and for the rest of our lives, we carry it around. Oh, and again, I'll say it later on. There's, I'm not talking about forgiveness, not forgiveness. I'm talking about there's just junk that goes to sexual sin that we carry around. And the more sexual sin there is, the more luggage we start picking up. And it impacts our ability to live. Why? So I'll ask you a question. Those of you who have sinned sexually, can you really say it's helpful? Paul was saying that to the Corinthian church. Guys, is this brand of libertine that you're talking about with sexual sin, is it making you a better believer? Is it helping your marriage? Is it helping you be a better parent? Is it helping you be a better person? And the answer is no. No, it's not. So the enemy goes one step further. He says again, because there was repeating this over and over again. So some believers, now say believers, believers, yeah. These are not lost people, these are believers. These are guys who've experienced great and all of that, okay? Everything is permissible for me, but then Paul counters and says, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Paul is saying, you see, I taught you about liberty. But what has happened is you're using that liberty to place yourself in bondage, i.e. read sexual sin, the bondage of sexual sin in the baggage it brings. You're saying you're so glad that you discovered grace and forgiveness and, and liberty in Christ, but you're placing yourself in bondage. And Paul says, I will not be brought under the control of anything. This is huge. Time out. Three this impacts so many areas of the life of the believer. You know, my, my big gift is food. Three, almost three years ago, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. And I've got a bunch of it all still. Praise God for that. But every day is a battle for me. Every day I make bad choices and I make good choices. My, I remember my sister-in-law saying, last family reunion, you've got this flick. I said, no, I don't have this. I keep making bad decisions. That's why some of us back home. It's every day is a battle to get up and get on the treadmill or walk outside. It's a battle I constantly fight. And here's the deal. I know, and I'll look you dead and I take this, that that portion of, of, of controlled food still has a grip on me. I'm not in control. For some of you, it's cigarettes. Some of you smoke today. And you just think, I can't quit. It's got a grip on me. For some of you, it's alcohol. It's got a grip on me. For some of you, it's drugs. Obviously, some of you, it's sexual sin. And Paul says, regardless of what it is, I will not be controlled by anything. I'm just going to take this in a broad spectrum. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if there is something, it may be Facebook, it may be gaming, whatever it is. If there's something going on in your life and you can't control it, you need to address that. Because what's scary is, when one thing gets out of control, it leads on to other things. So the Corinthian church is saying, everything's permissible. Paul says, wait a minute, you can't control it. All you've done is put yourself into bondage to a type of sin. It is not there. So then the Corinthian church, the believers in the Corinthian church, then they will say they said, well, this. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Food for the stomach and stomach for food. Their logic is this. See, Dwayne, see, Paul, God created us with a stomach. And when that stomach is not fed, my stomach growls. Okay? And when it growls, 
I have a need to get fulfilled, a need to get fulfilled, and I meet that need by eating food. In the same way, God created sex. And when I sexual drive starts churning, because God created sex, I just certain He wants me to have that need fulfilled. Wrong! Wrong! In fact, we heard the name today this morning in our little class we were having. You will not die without sex. Now, you don't have water, you'll die. That's a need. Amen? You don't have food, you'll die. That's a need. Sex is not a need. What they're saying is, I have an appetite. And I just know God wants the appetite fulfilled. No, He doesn't. Not outside the bounds He said, which is man, woman, in the confines of marriage. But the Corinthian church was saying, no, 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 you understand. God created, so he must want to fulfill it. That's really twisting the word of God. And it's wrong. So be careful of this grace, God will forgive concept. Be careful of the, you know, I'm human, I don't have control of it. And be careful of the concept, God created, so it must be okay if I want to do it. Actually, he says, watch this. He says, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. In other words, those things are temporal and not eternal. Now watch it, watch it. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Listen, believers in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer today, just I'm going to give you some, I think some good advice today. But if you're not a believer, sit back and enjoy me preaching to the church folks. Okay? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your body is not for sexual immorality. I'll say it now lest I forget in the future, not for any reason and not for any season. Not for any reason. My wife, my this, I, I love him, I love her. I'm married, I'm single. Not for any reason or any season is sexual morality acceptable for you in your life. Absolutely. He said, rather, for the believer, the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That's the commitment we made when we decided to follow Jesus Christ as Savior. You're the, you're the king and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. It's your deal over my deal. And my body is for you. And Lord, yes, you will help me in the needs, controlling needs of my body. He goes on and says this. Verse 14. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Now catch this. The connotation there, the context there, is not really talking about a physical resurrection. But the same power, the same dunamis, the same power that God used to resurrect Jesus Christ is the same power that available was for God to lift us above sexual sin. The same power is available to us where we don't have to carry the garbage. We don't have to sin, much less sin sexually. God will raise us up. So then we move on down, and the divine says, So? Oh? So? Don't you know, he says in verse 15, don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? 
Don't you understand that when you received Jesus Christ as Savior, you became a part of the body of Christ? Now, this carries two pictures. One is, you and Christ are one. Okay? Got that in your mind? Can I have an amen there? Okay. You and Christ are one. But also, what is the body of Christ? It's believers. Okay? Are you following me? Fair? One, you and Christ are one. But also, you and the body is one. Every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, on our local level, the Dorsville Baptist Church, on the universal level, every person who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't you know that your bodies are part of of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Should I take and run this together? Should I take and sin sexually, and when I go sin sexually, I take Jesus with me? Is that somehow okay? Are we all all right with that? Hello? You're really going to like this one. So is it okay then, as a member of the body of Christ, to drag the body of Christ into the bedroom of sexual sin? That somehow, when you sin sexually because we are all the body of Christ, you drag all of us in there? That's somehow okay? That's somehow alright? Well, it's so strong. Absolutely not. Now here, again, let me get some context. In this temple of Aphrodite, God's love, they employed 1,000 temple prostitutes. And part of your, your worship was to go down and have relations with one of these prostitutes. That was like, not only one was it accepted, it was expected. That was the environment. And I'm going to tell you something. You're saying, well, Dwayne, we don't have that problem. Listen, sexual prostitution, sexual freedom is not only accepted in America, in some arenas, it's expected. In some twisted way, now I'm not saying you, but in some twisted way, the dad says, can't wait, my boy, conference is first man.
Now I'm telling you, if we had these special glasses, guys, if we had special glasses, you ever see the 3D glasses? If we could put on special glasses across this building, you'd see scars of sexual sin on a lot of these people. Now I'm telling you, they would tell you, wait! He knows what he's talking about. God's word is true. Wait! The scars, the pain, wait! And all you adults are going, I heard somebody says once, that's just written for kids. That's strange. I did a little study in Greek. I don't know hardly in Greek at all, but my commentary, I've got a linear New Testament, and I don't see where it's talking to kids here. Somebody said this very bluntly that I did my sense class this morning. If you're an adult, single adult, you need way too. You do not need to be sexually active. God says so. This is not the thing you said you're a preacher on you now. God, you're a believer today. God says no. You're to wait. Save yourself. If you're married today, God says no. Nowhere, no reason, no season is an affair appropriate. No reason, no season is pornography appropriate. It is wrong. It is wrong. Paul says, absolutely not. He goes on in verse number 16. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is, is one body with her? For the scripture says, the two shall become one flesh. Now I start leading into the problem with this. He's saying that when we sin sexually... We bind ourselves together with another person in a way that God never intended. He's saying that there's a, there's a long-term lasting effect that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. He says, don't you understand that? Don't you know that? Don't you know it's more than just a physical act? The one who created it knows that. And that's why he says, wait. That's why he says, wait over here to the single adults. That's why he says, wait to the married adults. Only inside the confines of marriage. Period. Period. He goes on and says this. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He says, my goal, my plan, my, my, desire, my divine desire for you is to be joined with me. To understand and to apply in your life sexual purity because it's such a huge area. How big, Dwayne? Well, that leads us to the last point. Divine says, Go! See, God has a plan. He tells us a little bit about sexual sin, but He has a plan. And here's what He says it Run! Say, Run. You King Jamer, say, Flee. Run or flee. Flee. Run from sexual immorality. Run from it. That's the reason the tennis shoes. I'm telling you, I love you as your pastor. And I would do anything I could to help you get this, understand this, and apply this. Because as a pastor, over 28 years, I have seen the ramifications. I don't know. Every kind of sin you can imagine, sexual sin you can imagine, 
I've seen the ramifications of it. Molestation, rape, affairs, pornography. I've seen it. And I've seen the pain it causes. And God's word says, run. Do whatever it takes to flee sexual morality. Whatever it takes. If you find yourself drawn to a certain person, get away from that person. If you find yourself being drawn to a certain situation to sexually sin, stay away from that, that, that situation. If you need to have an accountability partner, you should have, and I have to confess at this moment I don't. You, well, I got one right there on the front row. We talk very regularly. Do that. Do whatever it takes. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with it. Don't worry about turning there. Let me just read to you from 2 Chronicles um, 30, 32. The situation is, um, Sennacherib is fixing to invade for disease on Jerusalem. And Hezekiah is coming for the defense. Here's what he says. After these faithful deeds, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came into Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities and intended to break into them. Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he planned war on Jerusalem. So he consulted with his officials and his warriors about stopping up the waters of the springs that were outside the city. And they helped him. Many people gathered and stopped up all the springs in the stream that flowed through the land. They said, why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? Then Hezekiah strengthened his position by rebuilding the entire broken down wall and hiding the towers and the other outside wall. He repaired the supporting terraces of the city of David and made an abundance of weapons and shields. He set military commanders over the people and gathered the people in the square of the city gate. Then he encouraged them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged before the king of Assyria or before all the multitude with him. For there are more with us than with him. Talk about God. He has only human strength, but we have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So the people replied on the, relied on the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. In other words, Hezekiah says, We are going to do everything we can to make sure we don't get captured. My word to you is your pastor. In this area, do everything you can from keeping being captured. Whatever it takes, do it. God is for you. God wants victory. No matter how strong the pull is, God wants you to have victory. But you've got to be willing to do what God asks you to do. I was going to tell you something. You know, I'm not... The old preachers used to call HBO Hell's Box Office. Yeah, there's some decent stuff on HBO. But there's some really bad stuff on HBO. And there are films coming into your house with nudity. You need to unplug that stuff. You need to unplug that. Why is it so quiet? Preacher, you sound like one of those independent, badness legalists. I'm sound like a pastor who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Now, I'm telling you, that garbage gets into your life. It will consume you. It will destroy your home. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your character. It will destroy your testimony. Flee sexual immorality. Do whatever it takes 
to avoid it. Here's the reason why. Every person, I'm sorry, every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Now, God, I can, this is the part I'm going to tell you about. Whitney, I can't explain this to you, okay? All I know is this, that I know God sees sin sin, I know all that, but somehow, on the emotional level, in, in, inside ourselves, when we sin sexually, it impacts us the way that other sin cannot. It scars us in a way. You know, every sin, Paul says, a person commits outside the body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And when we allow that garbage in, the baggage comes. There are scars that will last a lifetime. Come away. I'm not talking about forgiveness. God forgives. I can tell you this. There are things I've done that I promise you that I've scars about. I've still got a scar on my arm. From living on a plate of hot beans. I've never done it again, but I still got the scar. And I tell you, young people, I'll encourage you. I will tell you to find an adult you trust and say, Mom, that will be honest with you. Say, Mom, Dad, what about that? You think about scars? And that may be candidly or not, I don't know. I'm telling you, it's scars for a lifetime. Even with God's forgiveness, there are scars. And it will impact the intimacy of your marriage when you get older. So many people today cannot be intimate in marriage on the level that God wants because of sexual sin in the past. It's a huge cause in the American failure. So flee from it. Run from it. Because when you sin sexually, it's not the same as lying. It's not the same as gossip. It's not the same as drunkenness. It's a whole different level. And it hurts you on a whole different level. He goes on and says this. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Do you understand that today? That God's Spirit, this may help you, that God's Spirit lives within you. And when you choose to go outside the bounds of God's Word and sin sexually, you are taking God with you. I'm not sure. I know sin is sin and all that stuff. But I'm not sure nothing else slaps the face of God than sexual sin. Nothing else slaps God's face than when we choose to willfully sin in this area. Because we are the sanctuary. You know why, you know when Lucifer fell, there's a lot of evidence that points to it. He was the worship leader in heaven. He had access to God. Now, his, his falling was obviously horrible. We're looking at the impact of it today. But we are a sanctuary. We are the house of the Holy Spirit. And when we go over and drag this over in sexual sin, anything's wrong. Paul says, this is incredibly bad. Incredibly wrong. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And then he goes on and says this. He says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Today, and again, believers, this is for you. Folks who don't know Jesus, sit back. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you, know, you made a commitment to Him that day. You're not strong. You've been bought with a price. Can I tell you just a 
moment reminding Christ. And this is true for gossip and lying and everything else we willfully sin. We'll just flat out do it anyway. I ain't gonna forgive them, I'm gonna be mad anyway. I I'm no judgmental wrong, but I'm gonna be judgmental anyway. I know sex outside there is wrong, I'm gonna do it anyway. I need a promise. They took your Jesus. They stripped him naked. They laid him out and drove rubber spikes through his wrists and through his feet and through his side. And they lifted him up before the world, outstretched. The only way to breathe was to pull up. When he pulled up, the nails ripped at his flesh, so he collapsed back down. And he seesawed between heaven and earth for hours. On top of the physical element, the Bible said, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the, the righteousness of Christ. And all that sin, Jesus became that day. The wording is very specific. He just didn't, it wasn't just placed on him. He became that sin. And, and you can't even comprehend this because I can't either. The wrath of God was poured out on him that day. The wrath of God was poured out on him that day. That's the price that was paid for you to have forgiveness. And when we willfully choose to sin, particularly in this garbage area, we are just taking that prize and just putting our foot on top of it. Thank God it doesn't matter. I don't care what you did, Jesus. I want what I want. How horrible. And all the while, the evil one is in your ear going, Go ahead. It's just a physical act. No one will know. Who cares? you over and over again it just doesn't matter and it does and it does therefore he says because of the great price glorify God in your body glorify God let me close with this and this is something I read from Andy's message which was on this topic. It's on there, top of sexual sin. It's, just, it's one of the things I grabbed real quick this week. Didn't model the message after his. In fact, I'll, I'll give you the address in just a minute to go listen to these messages because it's not the same thing I've preached. What do you do with this? Guys, particularly you guys. How, how many of y'all are, are single today? Raise your hands. No matter your age. Okay, great, good. Okay, super. I assume the rest of you guys are married. What do you do with this? What what Andy Stanley said was this. There's two things you've got to determine today. Okay? First is this. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? See, we write a story with our life. And you're young enough, guys. You're young enough. There's a story that you're writing. What story do you want to tell on your wedding night to your husband? What story do you want to tell? Parents, what story, or future parents perhaps I should say, what story do you want to tell your kids today? Future grandparents, what story do you want to tell your grandkids 
Because even, even if it's true with younger folks, but it's true with me, I'm still writing the story. What story do you want to tell when faith gets a little older? What story do you want to tell when hope gets a little older? God, let's do that. What story do you want to tell? And the second thing he said was this, I thought really cool. What does glorifying God look like to you? He said, glorify God in your body. You need to determine now, now, what does that look like for you? What's that look like for you? You've got to determine what balance you're going to set now. On a Friday night, in the middle of the woods, with the window speed up, is not the time to set your values. If you're 40, 30 years old and you're single, and you're going out Friday night with a guy, that's not the time to set the standards in this area. Now is the time. What story do you want to tell? And what is glorifying God? If you're married today, starting today, starting today, forget yesterday, starting today, what does glorifying God look like in your life? What does, what does the story you're going to tell sound like? Here's the deal. If there's this junk in your past, and I'm afraid of the anything that's in your thing. <gasps> but yeah, there's some mistakes in my life. No need for bonds, but there's been some stupid stuff. I can't go back and undo that. I can't, can't change a week ago. When I get home and start, y'all don't know this, but I replay my sermon in my head. I shouldn't have said that, or I should have said this differently, or I shouldn't have done that. I can't change the message. What's in the past is where it's in the past. But you know what? If I get the opportunity to preach this message again, I can change that. Your point, Dwayne. My point is, you can't do anything, even as young as you are, with what you've done in the past. If you're single and you're 30, 35, or 40, you can't change that, but you can change today. Today could be your day of sexual purity. If you're, if you're a young teenager, if you're a single adult, if you're a married adult, you can't change the past, but you can change what you're going to do wrong. And you need to do that today. What story do you want to tell, and what does glorifying God look like? Can I share one more thing? Dave, thanks for giving lots of time. Can I share one more thing? Parents, we're doing an incredibly bad job of preparing our kids. An incredibly bad job. I'm so glad I had daughters. Now, by the way, it probably should have been my job. But I left it up to you. We are not doing all we can to prepare our children for this pressure. And you know what I know. It's not 17 anymore, folks. It's 12. It's 11. Now you can stick your head in the sand and say, my child never will, but you're an ostrich. The pressures that your kid is feeling are huge. Huge. We have got to do a better job preparing our kids for what God's Word says. And you've got to model that. And if there's a junk in your life in the past that's public, you may need to go to your kids and say, I admit I missed that. 
I admit it. I'm sorry for that. And let me tell you, don't go down and say Because some of y'all are saying, well, I messed up. How can I tell my kids that hypocritical? Hypocritical is being quiet. It's not hypocritical about saying your kid, I messed up. I don't want you to go through the same pain that I did. We've got to do a better job. All right, here's the address. www.northpoint.org N-O-R-T-H-P-O-I-N-T You think I stand? Northpoint.org Andy Stanley just did a series of four messages. It's entitled, The New Rules for Love, Dating, and Sex. He did a very incredible job. And I would challenge you, I would ask you, I would beg you, that at that point, wherever it is, whenever you think that you need to have that talk with your child, you all sit down together and watch the series. Now, it's online right now. They don't leave them on very long. About a month or two, it'll be gone. But you can order the DVD set, and we may invite you for the church. And we'll check it out, too. Because he does an incredible job of talking about the baggage and talking about the, the consequences and what God's Word says about this in the world. Give your kid 50 bucks. Say, if you'll sit down and watch these four messages with me, I'll give you 50 bucks. And sit down with them and listen to this. The greatest gift, I'm convinced, that you can give your child is an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Say amen to that. You live it and pass it on to your children. Let your legacy come into their lives and you have a part of them being authentic Christians. I'm just certain Next, if it's not number two, it's three or four of the greatest gifts you can give your child is God's view and perspective on this in this topic, sexual sin. Sexual purity and positive What God says about this. Because I'm telling you, 28 years, I've seen the scars. I've watched the mushroom cloud of the nuclear explosion of sexual sin time and time again. I've watched families cry. Sometimes short marriages, sometimes long marriages. I just see it crumble. I see it. And if you can help your child never experience that, that's bad. That's bad. I thought about today how to end the message, and I never came up with a way to do it. I always like to say, you know, I said this is for believers. And in some crazy way, you're out there and just leads you to want to trust Jesus. Then, ma'am, I'll be standing out front. I would love to tell you about knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. He really did love you that much, by the way. He took the nails and the pierced side. He bled and died. That people like him can have forgiveness of sins. It's not by works. It's not by church. It's not by religion. It's by grace. It's incredible. And I'd be glad to share that with you. So that's part of the invitation. I thought about having people stand if you're willing to make a commitment today, but then I said, what if no one's standing? What if no one's standing? What if I put pressure on someone who wants come back to church? Because I put that pressure because I knew that was what I needed to do. So I think what we'll do is we'll do every week. We'll have Brother Dave come up and lead us in a song. I'm going to let you For a while. And we'll end up saying, I really want you to chill on this. Now, really, can I just touch on one thing? I shared this, I shared this in the class this morning. Past is in the past. Okay? Make sure you dealt with it. And that means confession, 
and repentance. Make sure you've dealt with it. And then like I say, starting today is a new day. And move forward. Alright? Sometimes it's very difficult in this area to forgive yourself, but you can do that. Secondly, Satan will love to accuse you. Okay? Once it's dealt with now, you tell him to take a five leave somewhere. And sometimes people will condemn you once you dealt with it. You gotta deal with it. Sometimes people will continue. Don't tell them to make a five leave, but just listen and pray for Okay? Once it's dealt with. I'm so glad we serve God who loves and forgives. And I'm very glad that God gave us this book. Father, you are incredible. I know from my heart today that this is not about rules. It's not about thou shalt not. Just because God said thou shalt not. And I pray, Father, I've been clear enough for the young people to understand that. And for the singles to understand that. And for the married folks to understand that. Father, you have our best interest in your heart. You do. You do. You love us so much. And you gave us this incredible gift inside of marriage between man and woman. But in giving us that gift, you also foresaw how we would misuse it. And Satan has a hate in that. So, Father, first I pray for my friend here today who may never, had never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And I know it's not the love of the gospel, but the Holy Spirit's always you control draws people, not me anyway. So, Father, if there's someone here today who wants to make a relationship with your Father through you, I pray today for that day. I pray you've been encouraged to walk out in front of all these people. Father, for those of us who call ourselves believers, I want to specifically pray for our young people today. For some, the story is still fresh in you and young. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that mamas and daddies and me and Brent and David, Father, learn and began to prepare them for the pressure that they face. I pray for them. I pray for our singles, Father. Let them not be deceived in believing that because they're adults, they can do what they want to do. May they understand that sexual sin is damaging and is wrong. Give them the courage, the boldness, and wisdom to make good choices in that area. Father, I pray for the married folks today, of which I am one. And Father, I understand that by the grace of God, they're going. So Father, protect us from sexual sin. May we do whatever necessary, Father, to guard ourselves against this thing. And Father, if it's in our past and we've dealt with it, Father, help us to lay that down and move forward. And if we've not dealt with it, Jesus, I pray, give us the courage to do that. Father, I pray, Lord, for the upcoming generation, that we as a society that says anything goes, we'll understand that we are called out to be different. And that your way is the best way. So I place this at your feet. I ask the Holy Spirit for you to speak to the hearts of the people.